And uh, I want to I help you today because I think a lot of us are getting in the way of what God wants to do in our lives because of our mouths. And I came to tell some people today, and I just love this. I came to tell some people today, shut up. Oh, man, that feels so good. Maybe you could just look at your neighbor right now and say, shut up. All right, no, 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 we're good. I don't want any fights to break out in church. It's, all right, okay. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 8. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. The angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit from even his mother's womb. And he will turn away, or turn many of the children to Israel. He will turn them to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Aren't you thankful that that's us this morning? Now, at this point, I'm just like, an angel appears, he gives this message, he tells Zechariah what's going to happen. At this point, I think my only response would be, thank you. But Zechariah is an interesting character because he's like, how's this going to happen? I don't know, Zechariah, in the same way, how is all of this other stuff happening to you right now? How is the angel of the Lord appearing before the altar of incense? Maybe that's how it's going to happen. It's funny, isn't it, how an angel could show up when we're looking at the angel saying, I need more proof. (laughs) Some of you, all you have to do is look at someone in your family who got saved and you're like, that's all the proof I need that God is alive, that God is real. Come on, I I feel like we've already got enough proof, but here we are asking for more. Okay, so Zachariah says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, here's the key. Never make an angel give you his name. (laughs) Because he says, behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which which will be fulfilled in their own time. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 3 and 19 tells us that the reason that many of the children of of Israel did not enter into the promised land, the Bible says, was because of their unbelief. It wasn't because they had such a bad past. It wasn't because they had made so many mistakes. It wasn't because they had been divorced. It wasn't because they had been to the club. It wasn't because they had smoked. It was because they did not believe the word of the Lord. 
Now, I, I came to tell somebody today is the day you start putting your faith in the word of the Lord. The Bible says that his word, Deuteronomy says this, his word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish the thing that he sends it to do. Is there anybody in the room today grateful that if there's anything that I can put my confidence in and build my life on, it is the word of God. Maybe we could put our hands together for just a second. And give God praise for his word. Come on, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We believe that you're going to speak to us. We trust you. We trust you. And it honors you that we trust you. God honors faith because faith honors God. So we put our confidence in you today. We're going to leave this place believing your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is an interesting story because there's so many aspects to the story, and I hope that I can get to all of them this week. If not, we'll continue into next week. But one of the things that I think about when I read this story and I see that Zechariah, first of all, Zechariah, the Bible says he's a priest. He's serving in the house of God. He's burning incense in the house of God, which was probably the most important role in the whole offering that they were doing that day and the whole ceremony that they were doing that day. He knows so much about God. His whole life has been in study of God's word, in study of God's tradition, in study of who God is. He knows the scripture, but still he asks when the angel of the Lord appears to him, how is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? I'm like, hold up, Zechariah, you're a priest. Like, you know the word of God. If you know the word of God, you understand, Zechariah, that there are actually five barren women that you know of in scripture that got pregnant. Many of them were old. You had Sarah, who was Abraham's wife. You had Rebecca, who was Isaac's wife. You had Rachel, who was the wife of Jacob. You have Hannah, she's the mother of Samuel. You have Manoah, the mother of Samson. You also have the Shunammite woman. The Bible doesn't say that she's barren, but it does say that her husband was very old. I think what happens to us if we're not careful, like Zechariah, is we can know all of these stories and to us, they just become stories. But the word of God is not a storybook. The Bible says that his word is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And whatever he did in scripture in the past, he can do right now in the present and he will still have the power to do in the future. Don't allow the word of God to just become a book of stories to you. Keep the awe and the wonder. And when you read something, look at it and say, if God did that for them, God can surely do that in my life. There is nothing too hard for God. And so when God comes and he reveals to Zacharias what could be, he gives him this revelation. Zacharias, even though he's a priest and serving in the temple, he's like, how's this going to happen? Even though he has story after story after story of how it's going to happen. And I think it's so it's so like us to forget all of the ways God has moved in our lives. And when we face something now in our present, we forget all of the stuff that he's already brought us through in our past. That's why I told you your salvation is enough proof that God is who he said he is. That God can do what he said he can do. And that God will be who he said he would be. 
So he reveals this and he shows Zacharias what could be. But Zacharias is like, I don't, I don't understand how it's going to be. And I love this because I think it's interesting that the Bible says that the name of their son, their son would be John. The, the name John just simply means Yahweh is gracious. <laughs> John's name is just like God's just going to do what God wants to do because God is who God is. He's just going to be gracious. And in, in, the, in the face of the angel appearing to him and in, <laughs> even in light of all that he has seen and all that he knows through Scripture, he still doubts. And the Bible says that because he doesn't believe the word of God, the angel says to him, I'm going to mute you. I'm going to shut you up so that you don't speak another word of doubt for the next nine months. And the reason I need to mute you is because I don't want you to get in the way of grace. <laughs> Listen to what Galatians 5 and 4 says. Paul writes and he says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. A lot of times when we talk about someone who we think fell from grace, we're talking about them because we think, oh man, they're out there committing all these sins. But the Bible says that you actually fall from grace when you think that your good works actually are a means by which God is going to do what he wants to do in your life. And so when you answer God who says, I just want to give you grace, when you answer him and say, but what about my old age? But what about my barren wife? But what about my situation? But what about my background? But what about all the things I've done? But what about the fact that I don't have the qualifications? Or what about the fact that I don't have the money? Or what about the fact that I don't come from the right place? All of those things are, are ways in which we fall from the grace of God that says you are not worthy because of what you have done. You are worthy because of what Jesus has done. I just want to do this for you because I love you. Stop falling from grace because you keep trying to find a way to make it possible. <laughs> so listen to what happens. He shuts him up, and as soon as he shut him up, his wife gets pregnant. <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that's a lesson for husbands. If there ever was a lesson. <laughs> My wife has looked at me many times over the past 25 years, and she has said, if you would have just shut up five minutes ago, this would not be where it is right now. As a matter of fact, just a couple weeks ago, she said something to me, and I responded in a way, and then we are all of a sudden in this fight, and she goes, you do realize that we are here. Because you wouldn't shut up. And even though that's a really good principle in marriage, it's also a really good principle with God. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just shut up and let God bless you. 
Stop trying to explain it. Isn't it an amazing thing whenever we get something uh, uh, nice or God blesses us or he gives us something in our lives that, that looks like favor and, and, and even though we didn't really deserve it, nothing we've gotten in this life did we really deserve because the only thing we really deserve is hell. So everything that we get that's good is not really the result of our works. It's the result of a God who is working in us. And, and you're like, well, my talent got me there. Well, who gave you the talent? Okay, well, 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 hey, let's just go all the way back to your breath. Even if it was your energy, it was his breath in your lungs. So everything you have belongs to God. And, and I think sometimes if we're not careful, we will start to speak and we will, we will miss out on what God wants to do because we are too busy trying to make it make sense. And you get something, and you're like, and your friend's like, wow, that's nice. You're like, yeah, well, I put a lot of time in this week in overtime, you know. I, you know, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been really grinding and just really working hard and, you know. You know, you, you guys have a great marriage. Well, you know, it's just a lot of sacrifice on our part, you know. It's just, I feel like. Anytime we get a compliment on something good in our lives, we should just go ahead and say, yeah, man, I did not deserve it. But we are constantly trying to make up reasons why we deserve it. Ooh, man. And God's like, that was my grace. Car you drove here today, whether it crept into the parking lot or you rolled into the parking lot, that's God's grace. And what that does is, is that leaves us with a constant sense of gratitude. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I want to talk to you a little bit about Zacharias because I think the reason Zacharias answers the way he answers is because if we're not careful, we will allow seasons of barrenness or seasons of pain or seasons of brokenness or seasons where we didn't get what we wanted to define our lives to such a point that we make promises to ourselves during those seasons. And because we've gone through so much pain, sometimes, sometimes when pain lasts for a while or it endures, pain management becomes our goal, right? And we live, but we live only at the level of no risk. And so instead of joy being your goal, not getting hurt becomes your goal. Instead of more than enough being your goal, just getting through the day becomes your goal. And those might be good for a season, but what is a season becomes a cycle if you don't put an expiration date on it. And some of you are drinking expired milk and you don't have to. And here's another thing I need you to understand. You have to also know that what happened to you is only a part of the reason you're in pain right now. How you process what happened to you is on you. Because here's how, here's how the process of pain works. Something happens to you, it hurts, and then you start to tell yourself a story. And the story you tell yourself is what actually keeps you in pain. Long after the incident happens and the physical pain from that moment ceases, the emotional pain begins. 
And the emotional pain is a story that you tell yourself about what happened. And that's what actually keeps you in pain. That's why God had to come to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 and 1. And he said to Samuel, he said, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Samuel was sad because he had, he had anointed Saul as king. Saul had failed. And because Saul had failed, it made Samuel feel like he was a failure. Now he's telling himself a story that I'm not a good prophet. I failed as a prophet. I failed God. I failed Saul. And all of these things that he's telling himself are not true. It's just his understanding of events. Understanding is just the truth that you stand under. It's the story that you tell yourself about your life. That's why there are people walking on the same water that you are sinking in. That's why there are some people that have taken their life and gone through the same thing that you have gone through, but you have your joy. I didn't come to condemn you today. I came to offer you a way out. I came to tell you that God doesn't mock your mourning. God doesn't rebuke your mourning. God wants to talk to you about how long you've been mourning. And I came to tell some people today is the day you stop crying over what happened to you. Today is the day that you get free from what they said, what they did, how they took advantage of you. Ah, oh, that was a little golf clap because a lot of you want to hang on to it because now you identify with it. And pain management has become your way of life, but there is a better way of life for you. There is total freedom from what happened to you. There is deliverance in Jesus' name. Ah. Oh. So some of you need to break the promises that you've made to yourself when you were in pain. I'll never trust anybody again. Sounds good. Doesn't work. Hmm. And what happens to us is like we... We feel a certain way, and then what we do is we try to fight feelings with feelings. So it's like, I'm not going to be sad, I'm going to be happy. So we're like trying to change emotion. Trying to fight emotion with emotion. You You don't walk into the correct emotion fighting it with another emotion. The Bible says about a man named Esau, the Bible says that even though he sought repentance with tears, he couldn't find it. And so many people in the room, you cannot find what you're looking for because you're seeking it with your tears. You're trying to you're trying to find it emotionally. And when it clicks emotionally, then then you've got it. But that's not how that's not what the word repentance is. Even means he tried to find repentance through tears. You don't find repentance through tears. The word repentance means to change your mind. You find repentance when you change your mind. And there are a lot of people trying to find their way through their emotions through another emotion. That's why when you feel what you feel, 
Many of the people you will turn to something that makes you feel either something different or nothing at all. Because you're trying to fight emotion with emotion. So you feel sad, so you go get the tequila bottle. So you feel lonely, so you get on Tinder. Because you're trying to fight emotion with emotion, but you cannot beat your emotions with another emotion. You, you must repent and change the way you think. Because nothing that has happened to you will stop you. Only how you respond to what has happened to you is capable of stopping you. So I, I don't fight my feelings with feelings. I fight my feelings with belief. Belief in what? The future. No, no, nothing like whimsical. Or belief that in what? Prince Charming's going to come. None of those things are promised in Scripture. Jesus says, I'm leaving this with you, my peace. (laughs) He never promised as he was going, hey, just so you know, everybody's going to get a perfect spouse. Love (laughs) y'all. Hey, just heads up, everybody's job is going to be one they love. And then he floats up away and like, that's awesome. He just said, I'm going to give you peace. Peace on a job you don't like. Peace in a marriage that's driving you crazy. Peace when your kids are losing their mind. I'm not even looking in that direction. We just speak the word of the Lord in the name of God. Listen, listen. Many, I love this church so much. Many people struggle to leave their pain. Why? Because he goes, Zechariah goes, I'm old. My wife is old. To me, even if this were to happen, this seems like a difficult process. I don't have the energy for this. Are there, are there any miracles that you're like, God, you can keep that one? <laughs> Some of you are like 70 in this room today. You're like, you can keep that old age child. You can keep that miracle. I don't need that miracle in my life. I'm 44 and I'm like, I don't need any more children. Like you can keep that supernatural birth stuff to yourself, Lord. There's Some things where you're like, God, I don't have the energy for this miracle. I don't have the time for this one. And I think sometimes we can miss so many things that God sets in front of us because we're just like, I don't, you came at the wrong time for me on that one. Some, some of y'all, you know, you're praying and asking for revival, but you don't have time for revival. You don't have time for what a revival would cost, for what it would cost of your time and your energy. You think you're in church too much now. You think you serve too, God too much now. 
So he says, how can this be? Instead of, I love it. Sounds good. Let's do this. It's interesting to me that it seems like when you read down a little bit, there's another story there where Mary, the angel, appears to Mary and says, hey, you're going to become pregnant with child and he's going to be the son of God and all of this. And then she goes, well, how is this going to happen since I'm a virgin? And God doesn't shut her up. Could it be that she wasn't asking the same thing? See, there's a difference between asking for, for evidence and an explanation. Zacharias's motivation was he wanted more proof. Mary's just like, hey, I'm a virgin. How are you going to do this? Can you explain this to me? <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? There is a difference between, between saying, God, it's, it's past the point of hope. And saying, I'm interested to see. How are you going to make this happen? And there is a difference between living with, with this suspicion that God is up to something and just wondering, God, what are you up to? And living with this mindset that says, I don't know if that's possible. Mary then responds, praise God. Mary's mindset and heart is gratitude. I can't even believe you're going to do this for me. His, his attitude is, I can't believe you're going to do this for me. Do you see the difference? I think that's one of the reasons we fight so much, even just, even, even online, because there's not a lot of tone associated with, with what we say when we text and and we try to send the right emoji and then we mess up and send the wrong one. You know, it's just like, it's bad. But if you apply the tone here, if you apply the context here, they're both saying a very similar thing. The tone is just different. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? <laughs> and he gets muted. And... The angel says to him, he says, what I'm going to do for you already has a name. And I think if we're not careful, one of the reasons I think God shut Zacharias up is because he didn't want Zacharias to name the situation something other than what God had intended for it to be. And here's the thing, you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control what you name it. And so he says, he says, his name is John. In other words, whatever God is getting ready to do in your life, he has already named it. Isaiah 65, 24 says, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. And listen, what he is what He has named for you, what He has called you to, is unlike anything in your family history. They get to, to the point where John is born and everybody's asking, what's the name going to be? 
And they get ready to name him after his father. And, and Elizabeth goes, no, 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 his name is John. And they're like, nobody in your family is named John. And they ask Zacharias, what should his name be? Because he's still unable to speak. The Bible says they give him something to write on, and he writes out the name John. And they call him John. And here's the thing I came to tell some people today is that the thing that God is getting ready to do in your life, one of the reasons that you, you just don't believe it's possible is because it's never been done. It's never been called that before. You've never had a John in your family. You've never had a, an act of the grace of God in your family before. And now you're in a season where it's like God's trying to bless you. And you're, you're just like, how can this be? I don't, I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right background. I didn't go to the right school. I don't know the right people. I don't have the right resources. And God is like, it's not about this. This is an act of grace. It's never been seen before. It's never been done before. And I need you to just shut your mouth. And let me call it what I want to call it. <laughs> oh. Let me give you three lessons on being Gabriel that I think are going to help you as I leave you today. I've talked to you a little bit about Zechariah and why he was shut up. But I thought of some things this week about Gabriel. Angel, the word angel is just a messenger. In the book of Revelation, even the preacher of the churches is called the angel of the church. It's just a messenger of God. The Bible says that you are ambassadors for Christ. You are messengers of the gospel. You are to proclaim the good news. Gabriel came and he said, I've brought you this good news. And I think, I think if we're not careful, we'll miss something in this story that can help us as deliverers of good news. So it's one thing if you're in the story and you're here today and you're having doubts. It's another thing if you're in the story and you're Gabriel and people are doubting you. Doubting the authenticity of what God has called you to do. Doubting the authenticity of what God has said. Doubting the authenticity of the message that God has delivered through you. So Gabriel comes and he delivers this message and Zechariah doesn't believe it. What are some lessons we can learn from Gabriel? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes your contribution to people's lives has no power to make them grateful. Only their character can determine that. For some people, you will never do enough you can be the angel of the Lord and show up out of nowhere in the temple of God at the altar of incense during the hour of prayer wings and all and still you'll be doubted If you're waiting for people to be grateful for your contribution, you will be waiting for the rest of your life. 
Because there are some people in the room who understand this, that no matter how good you are to some people, they will never be grateful because grateful isn't an emotion, it's a decision. Gratitude is not an emotion, it's a discipline. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18 says, give thanks in all things. And we are, we are conditioned in our society to only give thanks for good things. But scripture teaches us give thanks in all things. It says, for this is the will of God in your life. So gratitude is not about how I feel. Gratitude is about a discipline that I have. You cannot outgive someone's character. And there are a lot of people in the room that you are, you, your need for people to approve of you and appreciate you is destroying you. Gabriel didn't go, You don't believe me? He said, bro, I'm great, bro. I stand in the presence of the Lord. Shut your mouth. <laughs> That's what he said. And some of y'all, this, this desire to be, to be appreciated is ruining your life. And, and it's causing you to try to give to situations that you should have stopped giving to a long time ago. My dad years ago used this example he said a lot of us are going up to a machine and the front of it says out of order but we keep putting money into it (sighs) and some of y'all have people in your life who who are totally out of order and you keep trying to make them show something that they are unable to show why is this because some people love what you do for them more than they love you (laughs) I I, I think about Pharaoh. There are a lot of Pharaohs in our lives who they only want us when they realize what they lost when we left. The Bible says that the people of God got free from Pharaoh and Pharaoh's in his palace and he realizes, oh my goodness, we just lost all of our free labor. And so he tells his soldiers, let's go get them back. Listen, he wanted them back. But he didn't want them back because he loved them. He wanted them back because of what they could do for him. And there are a lot of people in this room, you keep going back thinking that they want you back because they love you. They don't love you. They just love what you do for them. We are are like in a full-blown counseling session right now. (laughs) Let me give you a second thought. You cannot control how people interpret what you say. Mentor of mine told me years ago, he said, Robbie, clear communication always needs comprehension. It's not just about what you're saying. It's about how they are hearing what you're saying. This is one thing you have to understand. If you're ever going to stand in a position like I'm in, there are hundreds of people in this room right now. And every one of you have your own background, your own history, your own perspective, your own way of approaching life, your own pain, your own filters, 
And every word that I say goes through your filters. And so almost every person in this room today will leave with a different interpretation of what I said. That's why sometimes when people talk to you, they say, hey, will you just hear my heart? Hear my heart. Because if we're not careful, we will filter what people say through our experience. And we will miss out on what they're saying. Because it had to go through our experience. Here's what I found out. Just a little advice. Some people are committed to misunderstanding you. And you keep wasting your time. You're like at home trying. You're like praying, God, give me the words to say. Give me the most, just the most eloquent way to say it. And then you feel like God said something to you. And you go and you open up your mouth. And you're like, oh, no. And like, you know that mushroom cloud that you see when the bomb drops? It's like that's happening in the situation. You're like, oh, my God. There are just some people who are committed to misunderstanding you. And you have no control over what filters your words go through. Let me give you another thought. You cannot live your life being controlled by people who don't do what you do. And feel like they have the authority to tell you how to do what you do. Gabriel wasn't like, Oh, you didn't like my message? You didn't like how I delivered it? Oh, I probably should have led with. He said, you don't like it? Shut up. <laughs> I just came to tell somebody that, that listen, I, 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 don't, I don't tell a barista how to make coffee, and I don't believe a barista should tell me how to pastor. No more than I think someone without kids should tell me how to parent. Well, praise the Lord. I'm setting somebody free this morning because you think every opinion is supposed to be the one you listen to. (laughs) Hmm. Let me give you another thought. One of my mentors said to me, he says there's a difference between someone who is an expert at commentary and someone who is an expert at contribution. And we have a lot of expert talkers today, expert opinion givers. This is what we've come in. This is the world we live in now because of social media. But part of jealousy, he said, and envy is always commenting on what you would do if you were in someone else's position. Let's move on. (laughs) Let me give you three things to fill your life with. If we are going to talk, here's how we should talk. Number one, clean talk. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Second thought, kind talk. Proverbs 15 and 4 says, Gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. 
Proverbs 15, 1 through 2 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pours out folly. Clean talk, kind talk, wise talk. Proverbs 17, 27 through 28 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Ephesians 6 and 12, the Bible says that the enemy is considered a ruler of darkness. Some have ascribed this name to Satan, the prince of darkness. When you talk about darkness and you look at Scripture, darkness is not just referring to evil. Darkness is also referring to ignorance. And the enemy doesn't just destroy our lives with evil. He destroys our lives with ignorance. And he wants to keep you unwise because then he doesn't have to destroy your life. You'll do it to yourself. So Psalm 119, 130 says this. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. He wants to shine the light on your relationships. He wants, to, he wants to shine the light, God does, on your sexuality. He wants to shine the light on your decision, but the enemy wants to keep the lights off. So clean talk, kind talk, wise talk, and lastly, as I'm closing, less talk. Ecclesiastes 10.14 says, A fool multiplies words. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> raising four kids... Three of them are full grown. You're just like, you're lying. How do you know? <laughs> you're talking too much. <laughs> See what happened was, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is a lie. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Proverbs 10 and 19 says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's in your Bible. James 1 and 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And what I'm seeing from Christianity today is a lot of anger and not enough shut up. That's what I'm seeing. Anger so mad, so mad, just looking at everything that's happening in the world, just so angry. It's like you, you keep getting angry, but listen to me. Anger does not produce the righteousness that God is looking for. And your anger at the world is actually keeping you from reaching the world. You don't win people with your anger at their sin. You win people with showing them the love that God has for them in the middle of their sin. The good news of Jesus is not if you join my political party. The good news of Jesus is that for God so loved the world that he it doesn't say for God was so ticked off that he just got tired of it and he came down and he just kicked the devil around. He was just mad. 
said, God loved the world. So He gave His only begotten Son. Stop being motivated by anger because all anger is going to make you do is, is get you to speak before you listen and you will never accurately answer a question that you don't listen to. The problem with intention. Came to help you today. Kind talk. Clean talk. Wise talk. Less talk. In a world where everybody has an opinion on everything, can the church get back to declaring not our opinions, but the truth of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on that cross for the sins of the world? The fact that he was buried for three days and he rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. I'm hearing less and less of the gospel and more and more political ideology. And this church is not going to act like that. The gospel is going to and will be our focus. That's, that's the good news we've been called to deliver. And like I said, not everybody's going to appreciate that. Some people are going to be committed to misunderstanding that. And there are going to be a lot of opinions on how we should take this church, carry this church, and what we should say in this church. But we've been given a message by God, and it's only that message that we're going to deliver. And, and when, you, when you find out that the people that dislike it are religious elites and you realize that he didn't come for the people who don't think they need a savior anyway you get comfortable in being misunderstood as a matter of fact you start to understand that the more I am misunderstood maybe the closer I'm getting to the message that God has really called me to deliver so Father in Jesus name will you stand on your feet with me today Father in Jesus name we thank you today I thank you for this season. And I thank you for the hope that it brings, but we also understand this can be a very difficult time of year for many people. Very lonely type of year. It, it, it magnifies for some their loneliness, their singleness, their, their isolation. And I'm praying today that God, instead of those things being magnified in our lives, I, I want to I wanna make sure that we are magnifying Jesus, the one who came and came to give us peace and came to give us strength and came to be a father when we don't have a father, a mother when we don't have a mother, a brother when we don't have a brother, a sister when we don't have a sister. You came to comfort us and strengthen us and, and so many times we're looking for people and things to fill those needs but you are truly the one who fills those desires. So I'm praying, Jesus, that more than anything, we see you this season. Help us. Help us to just get out of the way so that you can just bless us and do what you want to do in our lives. 
Help us to not use our mouth to tear down what you're trying to do. Help us to use our mouths to build up what you're trying to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If there's anybody in this room who today would say, Robbie, man, I feel far from God today. Maybe the reason you feel far from God today is you've actually never given your life to Jesus. You've, maybe you've come to church, you've been watching online, but you've never put your faith in Jesus. The Bible teaches us that confession is made with the mouth, that when we open up our mouth and say, Jesus, you are the son of God, and we, we believe that, then we are saved. If that's you today and you need to come close to God by putting your faith in Jesus, I want to offer you that opportunity today. Or maybe you're here and you have at one time, you put your faith in Jesus, but you've, you've moved on to other things and you've taken your focus off of the Lord and you've been focusing on maybe even your situation or you've been focusing on fulfilling your own desires. I don't know what those things are that are drawing you and pulling you away, but today you say, man, I wanna make that return home today. So if you're here in the room and you say, man, I need to put my faith in Jesus or I'm returning home today, I'm gonna count to three and when I do, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air and we're gonna believe in this moment that God is gonna do something supernatural in your life. If that's you, one, two, three, throw your hand up in the air. Throw your hand up. I see you, I see you. Anyone else, I see you, man, back there. I see you. Awesome. Come on, church. Let's pray this prayer with those who lifted their hands. Let's say, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sin. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together for those that made that decision today powerful. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody in the room, you're going to go out, just believe in what God said. Say, God, you don't have to prove anything else to me. You don't have to explain yourself to me. I'm just going to believe it. If you said you would do it, you will do it. Anybody in the room just want to throw your hand up and say, God, I believe you. I believe you and I trust you. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray your blessing on your people this week. Be with them everywhere they go. Speak through them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.